TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 533, and I'm Livia, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom, and I chair communication at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. I thought you forgot where you work for a second. <laughs> Go ahead. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hey, this is Peter. I live in Hollywood, and I write reviews for whysoblue.com. All right, let's start off with the news. And Tom, what do you got for us? Amazon has announced that Marvelous Mrs. Maisel will abandon the binge release for season four. Two two episodes per week. And Andy Sherman Palladino is, quote, in effing love with the change. Because her show is dense and she wants people to think about the episodes, not just go through them. Uh, They're also fast-tracking development of a Blade Runner 2049 series. The writer's room is being assembled. If it's picked up, Ridley Scott may direct the pilot, and he's executive producing. Uh, CW has revealed that Donald Faison has a top-secret role in the Legends finale in preparation for the next season as well. (laughs) Is anybody still watching? Disney Plus. uh, Disney is going to boost content spending by up to a billion dollars this quarter, and they're dropping Obi-Wan Kenobi on the real Star Wars Day 525. Uh, Destin Daniel Cretton is executive producing American Boy Chinese adaptation with Michelle Yeoh, Daniel Wu from Into the Badlands, Chen Han from Mortal Kombat, and Ki Hai Kwan from Temple of Doom. Uh, Anthony Ramos has, is joining the cast of Ironheart in a top secret role. Catherine Zeta Jones is joining National Treasure the series. And Elizabeth Mitchell is going to reprise her role as Mrs. Santa for the Santa Claus series. I think we Steve knew that one Yachty, already. No, that's, that was just confirmed this week. Uh, Steve Yaki, who created The Flight Attendant, has received a script-to-series order for The Cindy Show from Fox. Hulu has announced that Love, Victor will end with season three, and Futurama is like a cat with many lives. They've ordered a revival again. This is like the third time it's been revived. Uh, Sweet Magnolias was number one uh, seven days in a row for season two, and that's all I have. All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about Discovery of Witches, Episode 6. And I have to say that this episode was pretty predictable, except for I did not think that the book was going to, like, go into her, and she becomes the book, and the book is wiped out. Like, that was the... But now, does that make her all-powerful witchy witch? And no pretty one much. Can, can defeat her? Um... I don't know why um, Matthew decided to go fight Benjamin on his own without that. Because he's an idiot. Yeah, that that was problematic. Because I mean, um, Diana went with like five people. Like she she rolled up, mobbed up, and nobody actually even bothered her. Well, that's not true. What's his name bothered her, but they took care of it because she didn't go by herself. Yeah, they did. Uh, that was kind of awesome because I hate that character. I've hated him for so long, so that that was very satisfying. He turns into a little ball of evil turd. <laughs> and, but I will say <laughs> that the machinations of 
the vampire council is super snoozeworthy. I don't care. Yep. So all of that was super boring. Matthew's storyline was boring because it was very obvious that he was walking into a trap and he's like, oh, I see this trap you built for me. How weird that the trap hasn't sprung yet, but I'm going to just beat you up and not act. Oh, so stupid. I'm going to beat you up mostly off screen, by the way. Yes, that's true, too. (laughs) And it's just like it was obviously a trap. He walked into it and was like, oh, this is a nice trap. I guess I'll just assume that it's not a very good trap. Like, no. Ugh. Anyway, so that part annoyed me. It was so me. dumb. Yeah. It was so dumb. It was it was very dumb. And the only thing I guess I'm looking forward to is uh, Diana just making all of Matthew's problems go away because apparently he can't do anything on his own. So there you go. That's yeah, my opinion. I just, I I I I agree with that. I, you know, that I get so frustrated with this show this season because it's they they had built up all the stuff and laid the groundwork for all those these characters to develop and for a big thing to to happen and then they systematically just just end with a with a little at the end just yeah i mean it's it's so anticlimactic well well, we haven't seen the finale the finale well we haven't, but even at this point, we have all these characters making dumb decisions. And you said, you know, it was so great to get rid of that one character, which I agree because I couldn't stand him. But when, I mean, consider how, how they, they got rid of him. I mean, it was it was also, I mean, They made him have like effects, a weird breakdown. He had like this, like he had a, like a mental breakdown. So even when you're fighting him, it's not as satisfying from him being at his most evil. I guess my yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah. It was it was just that you know he was sort of defanged at that point and it was like kind of sad and pathetic and oh just get rid of him already. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um and and you know it's yeah I was just I was not And what's the deal with with, with glass? What's his name? Glower glass? Glab of glass? Like he run, he goes gallant away glass. because he's, he's trying gallant. to be gallant and noble because Diana is not for him, so he's gonna leave on a good note. And then but they, they, they call him back. They call him back after one episode. I was like, "What was the point of all that? Like, what are we doing?" I guess they had time to fill. Oh my! So goodness. they did that. Yeah. I, I just gotta say, boy, compared first season was amazing, and the other two seasons were not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is. I don't know what's going on. Like, I even like second season parts of second season better than this. So. Ugh. Ooh, I know, right? <laughs> That's right. faint praise. That let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, so not the greatest review for Discovery of Witches. Uh, next, we're gonna talk about In from the Coal episode three and four, and I'm gonna let Allison lead the discussion because she read the synopsis. I've watched this so long ago, I don't remember. Like it's all one big episode. Like I don't, I don't remember what happened specifically. So Allison, tell us what happened in episode three. Yeah, it's called I, the widow. I, I the widow, yes, and I. I mean, I I get you exactly because I, even though I enjoyed the series, I watched the whole thing really fast, and so everything's just bleeding together. And the only way that I was able to remember what was going on was by reading a synopsis and going, "Oh yeah," so that's you know that's kind of where where I am. And the um, anyway, this the the episode three is where she uh takes on the um the the guise of the widow uh in order to to approach Philippe the bad guy um 
who is this this fascist Spanish nationalist? Oh, uh, right. His whole, his whole thing is that it, his country should only be for people from his country. Immigrants need to get out. And if you don't, we're going to blow you up. Like that's right. pretty much his right. philosophy. But the widow, I thought the widow referred to the bride, that woman, or was that the episode? Yeah, the first episode when she was the bride. I, mean, I guess you could say you guess you could, you could say that it was it was like um, it could refer to both because the bride very quickly becomes, becomes the widow. widow, right? Exactly. Because um, in the second episode, she kills her fiance, or her fiance gets killed. He actually gets shot by Chauncey, and then the widow is like hiding out in like a cemetery, and she's contemplating killing herself because she thinks basically her life is over. And uh, Jenny's like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. And then she immediately gets kidnapped by the bad guys. And is this the episode? This is the episode where the woman, she's captured and Jenny has to like be camouflaged and she watches the horrific like yes. murder slash. Yes, because it's a, when she goes to the club disguised. And the thing is, her character is a widow as well. She's supposed to be um, a widow with like two, two young boys right and and that's that's her persona when she goes yeah that's to, her undercover idea yeah. um and her idea is she knows exactly the sort of woman that he's attracted to and that's that's how what she creates in this character um and she, she follows him down um by she's already gotten his dna and she changes her hand to to be yeah um, i remember that to, yeah. to mimic his for a handprint thing so she gets access to this this sub basement and that's where they are holding this poor girl and she's tied to a chair well, and the they... only thing i remember is that scene lasted just like a really long time and it was super uncomfortable because well i think she's... that was the idea yeah that was the, that was the op- absolutely so it's like so she's like has to watch this woman be murdered in a really kind of horrific way and all while making herself invisible and yeah right exactly so that was actually pretty cool i i liked it uh but it also helped us identify who all the players are by watching that scene uh and then she ends up at the guy's house as his date meets his whole family and infiltrates the house which is all pretty good i still don't like Chauncey. I know Peter was like, they're supposed to be best friends. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, well, the thing is, it's one of those situations where the characters meet, they hate each other. So, you know, that ultimately they're, they're going to be either depending I, I, on, on, I did gender, not, they'll be best friends or they'll be lovers. Yeah, and, and I did and, not think you know. that at all with Chauncey. Mm-hmm. I was like, I figured she was going to end up murdering him at some point. Like I really didn't like him, but anyway, yeah. Well, let's let's move but, on. But, Go ahead. Yeah. No. This. So. So. Um. This. It, this is the the. I. I thought that the the episode was very well done, and it was it was giving us uh, more information about the various abilities that she has right. and the limits of those abilities as well as the extent of them, and also you know really solidified the character of the big bad because he's so evil that he even kills members of his own family oh and right he killed his nephew he and tried to nephew. hide it from not his sister his, yes yeah. and not just his nephew but his presumed heir apparent the one who who in the previous scene was said to be like the favorite in the family and right. he just offed him so he's absolutely ruthless and yeah. and I thought that they did a really good job of that and ratcheting it up. And then the next episode, we actually, you know, you were saying you 
bad things about Chauncey, we actually find out that he's not a current CIA operative yeah, he's at been all. lying the whole time, right. And he's, yeah, he's, he meets with, with Interpol in, the, in this park, and they have no time for him whatsoever because right. apparently he was cut from the CIA, and he's doing everything as a rogue operative. So well, well, I just want to, yeah, I want to wrap this up one real quick. I don't, cause I don't want to. Yeah. But it. no, I'm, I'm saying, you know, he's, it, it was, it was just interesting because it casts the entire operation in a completely different light True. and, and how she's being used and, and by, right, which made me dislike Chauncey more. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the idea, but uh, I, 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 I like the way they did it. I like the reveal. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, After Party, Episode 5, and this is the flashback to college. Did anybody see that other than me? Yeah, I thought I, it was, it's high school. Sorry. That's high not school. Uh, it's the actual, but it's the flashback to the party that they're all referring to during the investigations, like that St. Patrick's Day party. And I do have to say, I like the fact that this episode is from the point of view of the guy that's like invisible. The guy that nobody knows who he is. Right. Like, that he was also, just they're like, hilarious. are you the ballet? <laughs> I love how in even in his own story, in his own mental retelling of this story, he's still a background player. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's in everybody's background. Like, he overhears yeah. everybody's conversation, which is a little creepy. But, I mean, nobody pays any attention to him. It's crazy. Which would be like, the he'd be the world's best super spy. Well, that he seems obvious to be the murderer. I, I feel like he's pretty obvious as the because he's everywhere and nobody notices him. Exactly, he could get so away with anything. Obvious. Yeah, but I did. I was wondering what genre this episode was going to be, and it was like it wasn't really a genre because he was so background. Or well, did I miss of, it? Kind of a little bit reminiscent of some of the teen movies. Yeah. Teen house party stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and what was hilarious is uh, it was his house and everybody thought it was Brett's house, his uncle's house. <laughs> and and every, they're like, thanks for running this party. He's like, what? Oh, yeah, sure. And he takes credit for it. He takes credit for everything. And then he even took credit for the mixtape. No. Yeah. That mixtape thing. Well, I almost blame. Oh, I forgot that dude's name. I blame him. Anique. for Anik. Anik, thank you. For spending that much time on the mixtape so that he's, like, two hours late to the part. Like, that's ridiculous, dude. Um, so He's a smitten kitten. Well, not just that. It just shows his compulsion. Uh, he, you know, he, he was compelled to, to do it. And it made him two hours late for the party. So she actually had moved on to somebody else. And then he throws away the tape and, and through some crazy, like... Of, of events of the tape flying all over the room, uh, Brett takes takes credit for the mixtape, which is pretty funny too. And I like that it came out. I like that she was like, "Wait a minute, you've been lying to me my whole our whole marriage." And he was like, uh, "I totally made that exact same mixtape." Like, <laughs> come on, that was that was pretty funny. Uh, what'd you guys think? I like. I, no, I enjoyed the episode. I really did. And it was nice to see. I mean, especially because I think we're, we're supposed to see Walt as this this filter for seeing things as they actually happen because he doesn't have any stakes in other people's stories. Right. So when he's actually observing things, that's what went on. 
Right. So and, he's telling you the actual truth of the situation. Right. Right. So you know, things like like having um, Chelsea and Xavier's uh, tryst turn out to be absolutely nothing, and and you know he's he's coming out trying to sound like he seduced her and had sex with her and all of that is a complete oh, lie. And, and her, big... her life has been destroyed ever since because of it. And, and so, so, so is Anique. Like, holy crap. Speaking of lives destroyed, we find out what Anique's, Anique's beef with Xavier. I mean, that's pretty big. Yes. That's pretty big. It was huge because Xavier was mad because Anique's the one who told Yasper to cut him loose. And so in retribution, uh, he, he messes up things with... Uh, he basically gets Anik arrested. He goads Anik into um, attacking his car. Well, I don't think he meant for him to attack I don't think his he car. Deliberately did that. Uh, well, but yeah. you know, he threw him in the pool because he, he was outraged about that, and then just kept needling him the entire party until finally Anik, at I think more out of frustration over what happened with the mixtape and and uh, losing Zoe. Then he even finally, yeah yeah and then um, he beats he, the car right. That's what he, yeah, he just reacts by, by destroying the car. Yeah, and it was just, and there go bye-bye scholarship. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, he cha- He literally changed his life. Um, and I don't know, man, I, I would totally murder him for getting me kicked out of, <laughs> out of Stanford. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I totally kill that dude. I totally... He deserves it because he's, he's just a scrawny little SOB. <laughs> yeah. And then to have him have this huge success on top of it? Nah. I I would have been a little more subtle than throwing him off a balcony, but it totally would have been me that did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We've just found the murderer. It was, it was, it was me the whole time. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on. I'm thoroughly enjoying this episode, and other than the invisible guy, that's still my prime suspect. Because I really don't think it's the. Because uh, obviously we're getting what's her name, Chloe. Yeah, we're getting Chloe's episode Chloe. next week. Chloe. I don't. I don't think it's her at all. But um, I am curious about her story because she seems right now just like the only thing we know about her is we see her from the perspective of two other guys. So we don't really have her story. So I am interested in that. You All know right. what I honestly think it's going to turn out to be is that nobody is the murderer. And he and just he tripped and fell. fell the balcony. That would be yeah. all. That like would be awesome. Because they keep pointing to the, you know, the thing he had on his nose. And he probably just banged into something, turned around, and just went right over the balcony. That would be, that would be appropriate and fit. That fits totally yeah. with, with him. All right. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Reacher. And we're going to talk about episode three and four. And Tom, let's, can you lead us on the discussion for this? Cause... Yes. Episode three is when they confront, um, oh, shoot, uh, the dude who seems to be the mastermind. Kleiner. Kleiner. When they, conflu- when they confront Kleiner and then baby Kleiner, who's a <laughs> D-bag. I, I find, you call him baby Kleiner instead of junior? Everybody calls him junior? Jun- junior accuses Reacher basically, essentially of a war crime. Yeah, he's like, I heard what you did in so Baghdad. That, so that unsettles the deputy. So um, I I know too much because I've seen everything, and I think maybe <laughs> I too. But no, I, I think all of us have all. I, I know too much. Yes, I got to give them props for the mystery because as it unfolds, it 
it's a really good mystery in terms of what exactly are they doing and, and what's happening. Seem to be... Well, what was hilarious there's... is he keeps talking about the feed. He's like, that's an awful He's lot of, feed. and that's everybody's like, lot of horse feed. Feed. and everybody's like, dude, stop with the feed. And he's like, but it's a lot. It is, right? Uh, and it almost he just, turns into a joke. Actually, it does turn into a joke. Goes yeah. on as it does where, turn into, you know, yeah. just, that's a whole like, lot of feed. Just like the detectives thing about cussing. I mean, there is a lot of things that they play as kind of running gags that carry over through the whole. And, it ha- and have payoffs, which is which and is have really payoffs, cool. which is which is hilarious. Only um, thing I the, will say is. But especially in the second first uh, the episode where they meet the homeland security person and they were super that's episode four yeah they were super careful about how to how they contacted her how they arranged the pickup and then when she gets murdered I was like wait a minute like that is the because they I, they had had other things that went wrong but that was the most glaring thing that they were so so careful about the chain of information and who knew yep. that she was going to be there. That was when I was like, are there bones being bugged? Are there like, I was like, I was expecting them to take a beat and figure out where that leak came from. Like that is a moment yep. where you stop what you're doing. Either everybody switches because the only person who had a burner phone was Reacher. So I was thinking Mr. Rich Kleiner is, but has bugged their phones. Uh, so- Somebody, there is information is slipping out. We kind of referred to this a little bit last week, and all will be revealed. I know. Yeah, I, is... I do agree. I but know. The thing all is, they be... acknowledge it, and then they really don't do Deal anything with different. Exactly. That is my problem. That is the. Okay. I, I love that's, this series. That, that's, a, that's a fair criticism. Yeah, I love this series, but that is the my problem that I felt was glaring was especially when this woman gets killed. Like, we have real repercussions happen. And I was like, okay, everybody turn in their phones, put them in a box. Let's switch out our phones. Let's do something. You got to do something. Like, as if, if they had just everybody switched to burners at that point, at least I felt they were addressing the issue. Yeah. You know? It might not have stopped the issue, but at least it's like, okay, we're we're trying to figure out what's going on. Maybe this guy's bugged our phones. Everybody switch out phones. No? I mean, even criminals do that. So I or was... at least not not give not talk to each other, giving each other spe- you know vital information over the phone. Right. And yet they just keep holding the same conversations. You know, well, I'll be in X place, or such and such is going to happen here, or I'm going to question this, and and it's like all over the phone. And I'm I'm thinking, aren't you looking for a leak? I mean, right. it, what's yeah. the this discussion we just had? And then they just keep doing the same thing. Yeah, I agree. And it, and it bites them again. Like, that's the thing that's also frustrating. And yep. then when it bites them again, they still don't do anything about it. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. So for guys who are supposed to be military, intelligence, super smart, that just felt really dumb. And But other than that, that is the only negative I have about the whole thing. This is super fun. I really like Reacher. He has a great charm. I like the team. I like them all working together. Um, and they're. Oh, and I, I love their friendships. Yeah. I think we forgot to. I forgot to mention the news. They got picked up for season two last week. Oh right, I think like, I did see on, that on Monday. They got picked up for season two. Right. And the show dropped Friday. So. Right. Yeah, everybody's can watching. I, it's great. Uh, can I ask you guys? Um, I'm also liking the show. Uh, I'm I'm halfway through it, so I've seen the episodes we've just discussed. That was the last one I saw. Um, 
just wondering, I wanted to ask what you guys thought of this. So in the movie, um, in the first film, I think, I think in the first film, Tom Cruise is, his love interest is Rosamund Pike. And I remember in the movie, um, even though I'm, you know, I'm a big, I'm a unabashed Tom Cruise fan. Um, when Tom Cruise uh, sleeps with the Rosamund Pike character, I was always like, eh, I was like, I don't really feel this. Because a lot of times with Cruise, I think he's better with, he's better with like, friendships like in the mission impossible movies or emily blunt and Ed, he's better with that than he is as like romance stuff except for i guess like jerry Maguire. so i so i'm sorry this sounds a little rambling essentially i chalked that up as okay it's not reacher it's really more it's tom cruise as, a, as an actor so, uh, but i have to say ahead. i like reacher i like the cast i like um the actress willa fitzgerald playing she's good Boston? Roscoe. But I have no chemistry for them. When they, there's a scene where they eventually, you know, she comes in the shower, he goes to take a shower, and then she's she's n naked, and then everything happens, and I don't feel anything. And I'm like, is it the character of Reacher? I'm like, these are both attractive people. I do think they have good banter together, but I don't know if I really thought the scene was hot and heavy or anything. Like, so I just wanted to see for you guys, what did you guys think of that? Did, were you like, yes, I'm glad this is happening, or I don't know. I, I, I would have said. I, I would have said that I would have wanted it to take a couple more episodes to happen. It needed a little Seriously. more buildup, but I was totally fine with it. I, I I didn't have a problem with it, and also I thought that was going to put a target on her back. Yeah, and so <laughs> well, that could be. Yeah, yeah. but I, I did like the relationship, and I I mean I did appreciate the 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 hot and heavy shower scene, um, but well, I yes, think in order for it to be. People. Yes. And in order for me to be really invested, I probably needed a couple more episodes of buildup. That's all I would say. I felt like they slept together a little just, too quickly. Yeah, I just didn't really feel... I, yeah, mean, I think I the chemistry just, was just there. Really they just... I feel like they rushed stuff. it. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's I, all. I would want to I, see... I agree with Olivia. They probably should have waited a little bit more toward the end of the series instead of, like, right in the middle. Right. All right. Let's move on. Um, so I think we're still giving it overall a thumbs up. Oh yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Snowpiercer, and when I say we, I mean Tom and Allison. So, what did you guys think of episode one and two? Uh, Tom, do you want to start? Because you actually just sure. Started. I'm, I, I just uh, episodes started again. watching it yesterday. No, they were good. They were. It was a satisfying conclusion. I guess either uh, Jennifer. Um, Oh, I can't think of her name. Connelly. Connelly. Either, Connelly. Either, either Jennifer Connelly's off the show or she's going to be gone for a while because her name's not in the in the main title credits. So what's interesting is you've got two sets of storylines. You've got what's going on on Big Alice with Wilford and his basically, um, oh, from the Americans, uh, running kind of the, the resistance. And then you've got the handful of people left on Snowpiercer Actual and Big Alice is lumbering along and is freezing, whereas uh, Snowpiercer actually has has heat, and I mean they're they're generating more more power. So the big thing is for episode one, they discover uh, oh the the dude Chris or the the dude with the beard that Jennifer Connelly was sweet on, Melanie was sweet on. He's exploring. He, they're doing some stuff at a 
they're, they're taking some kind of readings. They're trying to check, check Melanie's, re Melanie's research about possible hot spots in an oasis. And then he falls through into some kind of research station. So, um, oh, geez. David Diggs and his ex ex-girlfriend slash baby mama. No, no, sorry. No, well, not that. She's 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 on Big Alice. She's just the ex. She's being held hostage on Big Alice. No, the right. uh, the one who's with him is uh, Josie. Right, Josie. They had a thing in the past. Well, she was presumed, I don't know. It's so convoluted. Anyway, they have to go rescue Ben. That's his name. And then while they're down there, they discover somebody else is alive. And it turns out to be Archie Punjabi, formerly of The Good Wife, multiple enemy winner. So they bring her back, and now they're concerned because they, didn't, they had enough supplies if it was just them, but now they have one more body. And she's completely like PTSD because she's been there since the freeze. Um, and then in episode two, we find out more about what she was doing. Meanwhile, um, Wilford has an EMP device, and so he tests it at 10%, and then Ruth figures out this is bad. And then Javi is totally, Javi has been abused by this dog. And, you know, the dog, basically, Wilfred basically lets the dog just chew on Javi as a chew toy. So he's completely kind of jacked in the head. And meanwhile, Lila Jr. is going to marry her boyfriend. And he thinks that it's a bad idea because Wilfred's just using it as, a, as propaganda. Totes right, by the way. They have a fight. Lila goes to Wilfred. Wilford's like, uh, well, I'll my, take care of it. I, I was going to say, like, and instead... he literally, literally decides he's going to bust the dude's balls. I mean, literally, it was that just... That was such a weird Ew. scene. I'm thinking Libya, it's good Libya's not watching this because he is just as sadistic well, as before. I was about to say, I didn't want, like, necessarily a synopsis. I just wanted to know, did you guys like the episode? <laughs> yeah, they, they were good. Basically, Ruth Ruth outs herself as the resistance cell to sabotage the EMP device, but that allows Snowpiercer to find them, and so that's where the episode ends. Cliffhanger: Snowpiercer has popped a big eyelash. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, no, I thought I thought both episodes were were just great. I mean, kind of edge on your seat type stuff. Um, finding out that there is, was a, a survivor out there, you know, who managed to. I mean, granted, she's she's probably reeking with radiation poisoning. Oh yeah, but. Um, and, and she seems like I, I, like she's about to break down any minute. Uh, but still, you know, life is possible out there somewhere. Meantime, we've got Leighton, who's having hallucinations now or dreams about some, some oasis. area of the world, some oasis that has not yet frozen over or that is thawed from the freeze and where, where life outside is possible. And he's now determined to, to set snowpiercer on a course to to reach this place and so it's you've and you've got this balance with the cat and mouse between big alice and and snowpiercer and it's just the, the i think the tension all the way through this just ratchets up you just have you're constantly waiting for for something to go awry and, and for bad things to happen and in some cases they do um but i i I love this show. I think they, they do action incredibly well. The relationships between the characters keeps getting deeper and, and better explored. We have the, still the question mark um, out there 
about uh, Jennifer Connelly's character. Is, is Mel- Melanie alive is or not? Is Melanie alive? Is she not alive? They haven't resolved it. I mean, the people on Snowpiercer think she's dead. They've, they've written it off. But from an audience perspective, uh, it's a question. Um, so, you know, there's there's that that's that's waiting in the wings. And I, I just I mean, I've already seen the, the most recent episode, which we're not going to talk about now. But really, uh, I was not impressed with this series. The first season that it was on, I was just kind of watching it more because I really like Davi Diggs than anything else. Um, but it has turned into a fantastic show. Adding uh, Sean so Bean as the villain was brilliant. Was brilliant. Because and I, I know that what he does is kind of hard to for, for some people to watch because he is such a sadist and, and so freaky weird. But he I mean, Sean Bean is clearly having the best time playing this awful character. Yeah. He is. And oh, he gets he just gets so into this and it's fun to watch him. I mean, he's he's the, the villain who you love to hate. And I think I think he's embraced that. Plus, in 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 other senses, you've got other characters who in the past were certainly in season one were were not positive characters who have turned into heroic figures. You know, you've got you've got Ruth, who was terrible in season one, and she's turned into a hero in this. She's the lead of the resistance and Pike of all people. And mm-hmm. they, 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 you know, there seems to be a little frisson too between Ruth and Pike, which is interesting. So you, I just I love where this the show is has gone and I love where it's going. I'm interested and you know, I'm I'm all aboard with this train. All aboard. Oh. Nicely done. All right, on that note, on that note we're going to move on. Next up we're going to talk about Gilded Age and I want Peter to lead us off on this discussion cuz it's going to be between Peter and Allison. I have I still haven't watched Gilded Age yet. But to be fair, your brother loves it. Yes, he does. But he is not me, so I still haven't watched it, so I don't count that. No, we are not the same uh, person. So the last time, <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I meant. I, I it's guess a, that's I an inside that. joke. People say that we're the same person. That was sorry. No, oh, that's not. Yeah, no, I didn't mean that at all. I just um. So after after last time talking to Allison about it, Allison, it sounds like her big thing was that you know she watched all of Downton Abbey. She really liked the urgency in the pilot of Downton Abbey about the Titanic and who's going to control Downton and stuff. And she thought that there was a lot that she thought was lacking uh, in Gilded Age, but I was liking Gilded Age and I really liked the third episode, but I will say before I watched the third episode, um, my mom is also a fan of Downton Abbey. So I started rewatching Downton Abbey because I never finished it and I watched it years ago. So I watched the whole first season this week and I'm on season two and I do wonder if Allison is somewhat thinking of Downton with rose-colored glasses a little, because there is a lot that's not great about Downton Abbey. All the stuff with Thomas and O'Brien. There's a lot of, like, goofy melodrama soap opera that's in Downton Abbey. There's a lot of stuff that's great that I really like, and Allison's right about the urgency and everything. But I was very curious, because I was like, you know, I don't, I'm like, I don't know... Downton Abbey as much as Allison or my mom or a lot of other people. So maybe that's why Gilded Age is working for me. But I don't know, man. Like, the issue, there's definitely issues with Downton Abbey and stuff. So now, going into yeah, Gilded Age... Yeah, but we're not Age, talking what, about... We're not, we're not reviewing Downton Abbey. 
No, no, but it it sound it seemed like the criticism that I seemed to hear was was very much like it's not as good as Downton Abbey, and I'm kind of like, and I'm don't get me wrong, I am liking Downton Abbey. I can't wait to see how it all ends. I just don't know if I my, think it's, my my issue was with the stakes, which in this series are extremely low, and where Downton Abbey yes, and, and wh- whatever you can say about the various oh sub sub stories, because I said you know later on it gets sprawling and it has other things. But the core of Downton Abbey, which they uh, immediately make clear at the very beginning, literally the first five minutes of the show, is that the Titanic went down and the air went down with it and the the th- fate of the estate is now threatened. And, and from, you know, everything goes from there. So you have something that's very urgent right off the bat. And where this is concerned, everything just kind of meanders around and there is no big threat. I, well, the threat is, I mean, see, I guess I feel like it's very different when we're talking about what we personally care about. Obviously, like, if you are if you and I are more invested in certain characters than other, that's a personal thing. But I guess what I really liked, to me, what I liked about the, the Gilded Age, or what I've liked so far, is it's very, you know, it's the old money versus new money. And that is the threat. The threat isn't the Titanic, but it, the threat isn't, that they're going to lose down. It's old of, rich people versus right. it's, new it's rich people, but it's still it's boring rich people. There's there was so much well, more yeah, going on care. in that period of time that they could address, and but and they I, they don't. I mean, they, they sort of do. hint at it with Peggy. Guys, but... guys, guys, uh, you can't talk at the same time. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Ahead, but they, they they sort of hint at it with with the Peggy character, but there's so much more. I mean, we're we're talking about an era where the there was such class and economic disparity, um, and 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 it really plays into you know that you can look use it as a mirror to what our society is turning into. We're becoming like the second Gilded Age, but in those to, to highlight what was happening then. To, to comment on what was happening then there is so much material and they're ignoring it in favor of this just, just this little fight between you know new rich people and old rich people and that's just boring well peter just, go ahead I, peter go ahead i don't know i feel like i don't know i feel like that's the same as downton i feel like that's the thing that julian again i am not saying if you don't like that that's totally fair it, but it still feels within Julian Fellows. Is that his name, Julian Fellows? Yeah. It feels like that's in his wheelhouse. Like that's sort of. It is. I mean, so and Downton Abbey was yeah. about you know the fate of a rich family, but right. it also exactly. it also so had to do with the people there. downstairs and and the people in the town, and all everyone whose fate was essentially tied up with this manor, and it was no, it never present. The thing is, it wasn't taking place in an era or or, or a place where there was this enormous uh, upheaval in terms of, of culture and class. Um, where, I mean, over time, there was a changeover, and, and Downton Abbey actually covers a little of that. But when you set something in the Gilded Age, there, there is just this wealth of, of things that happened. This was, this was a really, really... Uh, eventful time in terms of how society changed and they're not addressing any of it. Well, I think that the third episode, and I think you're going to agree with me here, actually, is one of the things things that you and I had both liked 
about the Gilded Age was uh, Mr. Mr. Russell. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. The guy, basically the rich guy, the the guy who. And this episode really focuses on him, which I think you liked also. And and essentially, I think we're supposed to think that because I, I watched a little behind the scenes that he's sort of a stand-in for sort of like the Vanderbilts and stuff because what happens at the end... Although they name-check the Vanderbilts as They a, do, a I know. I know. I think it's more of like True. a... Right, they they name-check the Vanderbilts, but I also but when they talk about the suicides, they're saying that literally happened because of what the Vanderbilts did. Like, many yes. people killed themselves. And I was like, wow, that was pretty... Because I got to say, that, that moment when basically the old old money is trying to push him out... Right. They're trying to push my life. We're just going to get him to do this. You know, he's going to try to eat up his stock and then he's going to go broke. And of course, he does have a lot of money and it's it's still a risk for him. But of course, he comes up on top, which I was very happy for. And then the guy comes in, goes on his knees and is like, I'm literally begging you. He's like, please, you know, do this. I did at the time go, ah. He maybe should cave a little, but I knew he wasn't. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, nope, he's not going to cave. And of course, the guy kills himself, which is Ga- terrible. Guys, but guys, I thought we, that was pretty good. Man. Like, we, we really got to wrap this but one anyways, up. Gotta, I really yeah. liked all that. I thought that was pretty powerful. Go ahead, Allison. No, no, no. I, I mean, no, I, no, no, no. I mean, we have to wrap this one up because, especially because we have Tom's on a timer and we got to cut this off. Okay. Well, can well, I know I, if I, Allison liked that? I just wanted to wrap it up by saying I agree with you that it was better. And that they did finally address something that that was meaningful, even though I knew the guy's suicide was coming a mile away. Still, it was it was a powerful way to end the episode. I'm still giving the series a chance, um, but I can't get to the point yet where I could recommend it. All right, okay. let's let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about All of Us Are Dead, and this was Allison's last minute. Like, oh my god, everybody, watch this right now! Uh, that she sent out like a. 10 o'clock last night, it feels like. Um, And I did watch the first two episodes. um, And I thought they they were pretty good, except... I I like the fact that, one, the zombies are fast-moving. That's always cool. Two, I like the fact that, you know, I like that we're in a closed kind of environment where basically everyone's trapped in the school. Though, strangely, not for a good reason. Because I will say in the first episode... When uh, all the it's all chaos and everybody's running around like an insane people, two of the kids actually get outside. And I was like, run across the field. You're almost there. And they're like, let's run back into school. I was like, didn't you just escape the school five seconds ago? What are you doing? And I get that the point is that we're supposed to be in the school. I get that. But they literally did insane things to get outside the school. Freedom is across the soccer team. They can see it. And there's a couple of zombies between them and the soccer field, but, you know, knock them over. They've been doing that the whole time. Why did they decide to get on top of the truck and climb back into school? What the heck? Like, there's just... My problem with the show is that, I mean, I get that they're high school kids, and I get that, you know, kids don't make the best decisions, but everybody has seen zombie movies. First rule, you get your crew. Second rule, you get a weapon or... Actually, you get a weapon, then you get your crew. Whichever way works, but always involves getting a weapon. They took far too long to get weapons. And so I, there was a lot of me yelling at the screen that occurred last night. I do like the characters, though. I give them credit for that. They make you like the characters and get invested in them and want to know what happens. 
but some of them I was like, you deserve to die because you're just too stupid. So, <laughs> especially the girl that like sticks her finger in the hamster cage and gets bit. Like, what? Who, who what are, are why? you? Doing? Why? Uh, anyway, I was, there was a lot of me yelling at the at the television last night. Yeah, uh, no, I, I I agree with that. And I was I was getting irritated at the same things. It's like, will somebody grab a weapon? Somebody make a weapon. Somebody do there's actually a group of, of kids who get caught in the cafeteria. And there is in, in the kitchen part of the cafeteria. Thank you. Where there's like knives everywhere. And and it's it's I mean it, it takes forever before anyone even touches a knife. It it so it does make me crazy. And the only thing that I could attribute it to is that what you know? First of all, it's a different culture. It's Korea. They're they're not used to being attacked in school, um, so their their minds aren't constantly looking for like exits and looking for for you know possible weapons and ways to defend themselves. Uh, that that you know a, an American group would be. Yes, they have seen zombie movies because they name check Train to Busan in the very first episode. Um, and they they immediately identify all the kids who are being turned as zombies. Um, but I think that there's just this there was this desire, I think, to portray these kids not as characters in a zombie film, but as as just ordinary teenagers, just students in a school who suddenly find themselves under siege and who don't have any real survival skills, who who are subject to becoming panicked and making stupid decisions and you know their their minds aren't going to immediately go toward you know what's the closest thing i can turn into a weapon i just uh, uh, so but i mean I, I feel I, like everybody has seen these movies but i want to i want peter to talk real quick because we do have to keep moving um but i will say so far even though i'm annoyed by these things the show the the the, the, the tension and everything is compelling enough to keep going the tension is great, and the relationships between the characters is, is is terrific as well, because you become very invested in these kids. Uh, Peter, what did you think? I only saw the pilot. Um, <clears throat> I thought the big the big zombie chaos at the end was great. I mean, there's a scene where they're go- like, there's a scene where a girl's going to kill herself, and she looks down, and you see a bunch of zombies attacking other students. And it's pretty CG, but it's cool. It's a cool, like, it's a cool idea of an image. But I was so impressed with, near the end, there's a bunch of zombies that are basically pressing glass at the, I think it's like the cafeteria. Right, right. They break the glass, they pile on top of each other. It doesn't look computer generated. And I'm like, how did they do that? Like, I mean, unless they just really carefully did this with all these young actors and hopefully nobody got hurt because it was really impressive how not just that the, like, how con- like when they're when they're turning like they're bending the bodies in such weird yeah all of that was pretty yeah good. like yeah um well i'm sure so, that in scenes like that they actually got like contortionists right professional oh, contortionists too, yeah. to do it yeah um, but so it, that, that stuff looked great. insane yeah all that's great i like the characters but i will say i have a i have a personal thing with this um i really don't like bullies in stories like it's really i don't mind mean girls because you could argue a mean girl is a bully obviously too but like somebody who would like make a teenage girl take her shirt off and then like and 
record her or like break some kid's bones on a roof. That stuff for me is very much like I'm very quick to almost fast forward to be like, I don't need this. Like, however, obviously, I'm not saying that bullies don't exist, especially in high school. Of course they do. I just feel like if you have characters like that, you need to balance it. And there is a scene in the pilot that really felt like they were going to balance it, where basically they're doing that awful thing to that girl and a character comes in that seems like a hero character. He's basically like, you guys got to get out of here. And he sticks up to the bullies. And I'm like, okay, cool. But then, like, the scene sort of dissipates. She goes back in. He doesn't do anything. And the only reason that scene happens is because you need her to get further humiliated later so that she can try to kill herself. And well, I guess no, I, that I disagree stuff... with that. I disagree with that. Because I think well, you need there, get, where, you need where bullying is concerned in this particular series that is the crux of this series. That is literally what but all of, all the, the action who, is based on is that there is a, the is an epidemic there is an epidemic of bullying going on in this school, going on in lots of schools, and it is being allowed to be perpetuated by the parents who are in charge. Um, I'm not you know I've already I'm almost finished with this series, so I'm not going to give away spoilers, but they continue to 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 explain the history of what happened to get us to this point and oh right because because we know that the father we know the father of the kid that gets bullied is the one who creates the virus right and he creates it specifically because his kid was being mercifully bullied by this same group of of kids and no one was helping them and he figured he's going to turn his son into some kind of super soldier who'll be able to take all this and give back worse and it just completely goes in the wrong direction. But also, I think beyond that, there is so much about this that is a commentary on how bullying happens in you know in high schools, and it's it's allowed to be to to allowed to go on and be perpetuated and get worse by um, parents and administrators who just don't care about the fates of the kids who are being bullied who are only concerned with appearances and, and how things look and putting this veneer of, Oh, everything's fine. Yeah. That gets, that gets more stress in the second episode, Peter, but uh, I need, I, we do need to move on. Oh, okay. Go, go ahead. Real well, quick, I guess Peter. just, I, I agree with that, with everything Allison's saying, but my point with that scene was not about an administrator. It's like all the kid had to do was punch the guy. No, in the not face and... all the kid had to oh. do because the reason it, 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 it is that he loses control of that is because the two kids he's trying to save deliberately go back to the bullies and you have to see yeah, what happens the, later. No, but Peter, Peter, what she's saying is there's more to the story, which we're going to get there's later. Much. That's what, that's what she's trying to convey without spoiling you. So just, I guess, okay, let's well, look. It, yeah. I we'll, guess we'll, as a viewer, I'm, I guess as a viewer, I'm like, why doesn't this character just do that? I, I get, I, I get, but they're going to explain it. They're going to, they're going to explain it, Peter. That's what she's telling you. Uh, but okay. we got to, we got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. Uh, next up, we're going to talk Bubba Fett, and I want Tom to lead us off on the Bubba Fett finale, which uh, I think somebody, I think it might have been Peter who said this, that he was like, if this show had been called something like Star Wars Story or something other than I the book, that. Of, oh, that was you, um, yeah. that the, that the grade for this would be different. So what did you think of the finale? It was underwhelming. I mean, they just kind of threw everything in the kitchen sink in. 
And to, you know, to no one's surprise, Go- Grogu chose Mando instead of staying with Luke and training. So, which you know, I would too. <laughs> but everything, you know, the odds are down, and then I don't know. It was just kind of by the numbers. You know, it's interesting. Rodriguez's episodes tended to be the 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 worst of the season, the ones he directed. So. It was just there's a lot of hate online. I didn't hate the episode, but I didn't love it either. I think my issue is that this episode proved that Bubba Fett is not a leader because uh, leading up to the battle, he knew this battle was coming for weeks and lots of time. He made a terrible deal with the other bosses who then immediately betrayed him, even though his deal was terrible. And then he had all this money to buy soldiers, and he bought zero soldiers. He bought zero guns. He bought zero ammo. Uh, So when the battle came, he was unprepared, uh, not armed well, and outnumbered. And, And then was surprised when they did a simultaneous attack. I was like, first of all, you have an assassin, and he decides to use his assassin after the fact. If he had used her to do what she does in this episode... A week at ago, the at the beginning, yeah, we would have been... Had the battle. Then. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, that's a real crime boss leader who sees that and can make moves. He literally made zero moves on his own. Every Everything that he did was a suggestion of somebody else. I mean, the only... Even Cad Bane, killing Cad Bane. That was Cad Bane basically saying, you, you don't... You don't have the guts to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) And he does. It's like, well, I don't know. I just, this was not the finest moment of the Star Wars television, the the Disney Plus Star Wars series. It just felt like. What about the Rancor? Come on, give him some Rancor love. Oh, here's the thing. If we had seen him actually bond with the Rancor, train with the Rancor, maybe during one of those episodes where we were focusing on other characters, <laughs> then it would make sense. Instead, we got. We just have to assume Rancor. that was what was happening. Oh, we shouldn't have to assume. <laughs> the like... only thing that we got in that respect was when they first introduced the Rancor and they, they have him see Boba for the first time and they say specifically, well, they imprint on whoever they see first. Right. So many... okay, great. That's that's him. But yeah, they did nothing to at all to to create a, a bond between them or give you an idea that the Rancor would be particularly uh, loyal to to Boba. And the thing is, if you've got something that powerful, why wasn't the Rancor there from the very? Oh yeah. Money? Why? He, and then it? it was like it was a thing he forgot. He was like, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh, I got yeah, a Rancor. Yeah. <laughs> well, since it had I mean, been really, what, at least made... three episodes since we saw the Rancor, no wonder he forgot. We almost forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I gotta, I gotta ding this. I gotta ding this show for the structure. Structure was terrible. You had those first four episodes where it's past, past, present, past, present, past, and then we we end the past stories. And what do they do? Take us on side stories for two whole episodes, mm-hmm. and then the. The, you know, the fast-paced, thrilling conclusion. It's, come on, dude. You're better than this. I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been so upset if, if I felt that Bubba was smarter. If, if he, if I thought he had a plan, and it was just circumstances of other people helping him that actually saved the day. It wasn't his own actions or his own uh, 
intelligence that saved the day. I was just so disappointed in this series because they had, I mean, here, you know, I, I actually got excited about this thing and I, I've never been excited about Boba Fett before. I never could understand the fan obsession with a character yeah, who basically too. is a glorified background player. And now you still don't. So wrapping this one up, uh, not the best finale we've ever seen. Not the best anything we've ever seen. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say, you know, it was thumb, it was so disappointing in every thumb, possible way. Thumbs sideways for the whole series. And the finale is a thumbs down for you. It's a it's a thumb. <laughs> you won't even commit one way. All right, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Archive eighty one. And Tom, lead us off. What did you think of the two part finale? I watched this episode while the sun was up. Because I like to sleep at night. But it was good. <laughs> it kind of ended exactly where I thought they were going to go. But it deepened the mystery. And the flashback episode with Georgina Haig. Who Who's, is, where is she from? That was Bobby the Crap she, she, Thank you! That's Peter, Henrietta! Henrietta! Peter and Liv, Liv's daughter. Yes! Okay, that was bothering me so much. I knew her face and I couldn't figure out why I knew her face. I thought it was a, a good finale. I mean, obviously a season finale versus a series finale, which is a good thing because I think there is more to this world to explore. But um, it's it's interesting that some of our some of our early guesses about characters' identities were wrong. Yeah, I really thought that she was going to be. I think I called her to be Annabelle, and it was actually you called her the to mom. Be, you thought the groundskeeper was Annabelle? Yeah, and it was the mom, and I was like, oh, that should have been a good like. I should have guessed that. Like, that's the best reveals when you think, oh, I should have figured that out. But those people, I mean, you know what's interesting? It, it reminds me of Fringe with weird cultish element. <laughs> well, the fact that you have one family that does it, and then they another family collects all their the other family's stuff and tries to recreate it. I was like, obviously it ends in a fire. Why would you want to do the same thing that this other group just did? Oh, people never learn from that past. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was just crazy, but I, I do, I do appreciate the first episode I thought was interesting, but I actually felt it went on too long. The flashback one, because they gave me enough that I didn't need the whole thing to be, in the past. Uh, I felt like that actual flashback could have been about half of what it was. Uh, but I did like introducing all the elements to it. And then um, the last that episode... Maid should, that, that maid should have run for the hills. Yes. She had plenty of <laughs> yeah. indication this was going to go badly. Um, and I was like, why are you ignoring all the signs and symbols? Uh, but I did like the set, the last episode way better because we're with our characters. The only thing I call shenanigans on is at the very end when um, Dan and, what's her name, Melody, are running. Melody. Yeah, they're running. They're, they've been avoiding the demon. They're doing all the stuff they're supposed to do. And then they find, they follow the, the tune and they get to the doorway. And then, uh, what's his name, Steven, whatever, shows up out of nowhere. And, like, Mark. What? Yeah, like, what? How? Oh, you knew... Come on, come on. Well, you knew him. you knew that he had to get stuck. I mean, come on. That, no, I'm not was... mad about him being stuck. I'm not mad about that. 
What I'm mad about is that guy that grabs Melody at the, like, literally out of nowhere, yanks her through the doorway. She ends up in the right place. Where's he? He should have dropped there because he grabs her and pulls her into the doorway. Why is he not there? Like, there's just, I just thought that was weird. And I thought that him just coming out of nowhere was kind of ridiculous. Considering all the other obstacles that they put in their place, there's so many things that they were having to fight and dodge. Why is that random dude the thing that gets them? Like that's I didn't I didn't appreciate that. But I did like the surprise of him ended up in the nineties and like now what the heck? What is he gonna do? Like that's cool. But I just didn't like that dude the other guy, uh Steven, showing up out of nowhere. Steve you mean the the professor dude? Yeah. The one who was yeah. leading the cult. The cult yeah. guy. Well we knew he was back there too though. Well That's yes, why. but Yeah, he's been there for like three years. Yeah, he's been there too. I get that. But I just felt like what was his, why would he, if he saw a doorway to get out, obviously he wants to get out. Why would he grab Melody to get out as well? He didn't need her to go through the doorway. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would he not just go through? She is, she is like, they they said that she's key to being able to open the door. No, that's key to open the door in the first place. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the very end of the episode. The doorway is there. He could have just walked through. He didn't need her to get out. That that presumes that once he's at the in on the other side, he has no other plans. I do. I yeah. think he wants to take her along because he hasn't finished what he was going to do before. Now, where he ended up, we still don't know. He could actually have gotten out, but he's in a different location. I yeah, mean, but that doesn't make sense been, because the door is right there. For season two. They, right. There, there I know. will be a season two, so we'll right. find out. It, but, it, it, um, it. you know, anything could have happened or something could have gone awry that he wasn't expecting. And for some reason, he didn't go with her. Um, but I, I, I think that he's still wanting to, to do what he was planning to do the first time. All right, Tom, final remarks. It, it worked for me and I thought it was a good ride. It was a good ride. And I think, Allison, were you the one who recommended this to us? No, actually it was Peter. Oh, Peter. Peter. Peter, thanks for recommending it. It was a good watch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all enjoyed it. And Peter ironically got scared and quit. So that's that's the funny the Mr. Horror guy is the only one that didn't finish it. That's hilarious to me. But all right, let's uh wrap this one up. If you guys have any questions or comments, you send them to tvcampfire@gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook, sci radio, Weedopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-b